You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney. We are here fresh. This is Halloween. It's Halloween afternoon. Ty, and I am joined by Ty Capone. Ty, how are you feeling down there? Uh, uh, what is your situation for Halloween? You giving out candy tonight, or is there going to be people strolling through your building, or is it you you, uh, you got the night off? Uh, I am working, so I'm hoping to make a bunch of money from all the, the crazy people. I mean, Halloween, I like Halloween. I'm not trying to poo-poo it, but uh, when you when you like aren't in the in the in the festive mood for like this year, like I was, I wanted to be Jon Snow, right? I wanted to do a nice little costume, <laughs> but it kind of crept up on me. I have uh, Kansas City in a couple of weeks. Still haven't booked that flight, by the way, so I don't know what I'm waiting for there. But uh, if anybody was out there with cheap flights, let me know. Let me know. I'll hop on a boat, whatever we need. Um, It'd be a tough boat ride. It would. It would. But it's all right. Listen, we're gonna beat the Chiefs. I'm confident. I am. Um, so. I will. I, I'm not dressing up, and when you're not dressing up, you, you kind of like you look at everybody that goes all out, and you're like, oh, I fucking hate you so much. But it is kind of cool. Uh, I will be working. There is a costume. There is a a door contest. A a uh, whoever decorates their front door in the uh, apartment complex, whoever does the best. I don't know what they win, but they win something. So um, free rent for a judge. month. Yeah. Oh my god. Imagine. I would just take like a 10 percent reduction, please. That's all I want. But. Um, yeah, no, uh, not really doing anything else though. All right. Well, last night, while a large majority of the public was sleeping, especially here on the East coast, I, I was too. Yeah. I don't blame you. That's why I, I happened to be up. I had gotten done work. I was chilling I'm, and I'm I was, usually up too. And I woke up with a text from you. I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah, dude. I was like, I, and when I was sitting there, I'm just sitting there all like, uh, I think I was watching TV or something and all my phone like buzzed and I just looked at like, you know. Twitter notification, so I was like, it's got to be some sort of news. Sometimes it's just Schefter at like 3 in the morning going, yeah, this guy will play this weekend. I'm like, oh, okay, it's, I don't care at all. Like Some offensive tackle that I've never heard of, but this time it was Woj. James Harden has been traded to the Los Angeles Clippers. And, I mean, we all kind of expected that, but it was just crazy that it kind of went down this quick and kind of happened. It felt like this was going to get drug on longer and longer and longer and longer, and it was just going to be a never-ending saga, but luckily for us, it's kind of, you know, been nipped in the bud, and it's kind of over with. Uh, I am going to pull up what we actually got in this trade, but right away, were you happy, before we talk about wh- who was involved and whatnot, were you happy to see that James Harden was moved on from? Uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I said it when we did this uh, last time, when we, we saw him get, you know, pretty much booted off the plane, like, hey, hey, buddy, you can't, you're not flying with us, you're staying, uh, you're staying here. It felt like, like you know, they kept saying they want to get him in in condition, in uh, in in shape, in ready to play games. I feel like they said a similar thing about Ben Simmons right before they moved him too. You know, it was about uh, getting him in shape to play and getting him ready. So we're just going to sit him out a couple games to start the year. It's like yeah. okay, it's weird. It's very ominous. And yeah, I, I thought it was just kind of obvious what they were doing. I mean, Terrence Mann hasn't played yet, so I fi- I, I figured he wasn't going to be in the deal regardless. And him. Being injured, probably just had the Clippers saying, no, we're, we're going to hold on to him. We don't know. And they never – I mean, Amir, we didn't even get Amir Coffee. I mean, I guess the best player right, – maybe not the best player, but the most significant player in the street, at least in my opinion, is Kenyon Martin Jr., just because he is 22. He's very athletic. Uh, he played pretty well last year for, I think, the Rockets, but they were they were really bad. So I don't, I don't want to take his stats for too much. I think a lot of that was just you know kind of like how Tony Roden averaged 17 a game one year, but – He's young, athletic, and he could be interesting. The other players we got, you know, I guess we can play Covington a little bit, 10, 15 minutes. Same with Batum. Uh, Marcus Morris is pretty much unplayable. I don't even think he... He's been playing for them this year. Has he? I looked it up. Yeah, he's he's got averaging wow. double digits, so I don't know if that's accurate or if I was, you know, they, they were fucking with me, but I, I looked it up. Like Batum, I was like that was last Batum year is unplayable. Stats. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, there you go. The personal personal reasons he hasn't played. I don't know what's going on. I I guess they just wanted to trade him too. It's I love that we're getting him. He's from Kansas. He's from Philly. He's from Jer- went to high school in Jersey. I wanted us to draft him about you know fourteen years ago, but uh, him and Marquise went back to back right before us. So it's cool getting him back. Um, our buddy Dave Greenlaw ran into his mom a bunch of times in North Philly. 
Uh, apparently she was super cool. They ride for their mom. If you remember when they beat the shit out of that one guy. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, hopefully he doesn't play much. He used to be the LeBron stopper a long time well, ago. I mean, I, he was calling himself the LeBron stopper. He I wasn't. was calling him the LeBron stopper. No, but, um, I think Covington and Batum can give you a little bit, just not much, you know, like 10, 15 minutes a game. I'm so glad Danny Green is gone. PJ Tucker, uh, PJ Tucker Harden, if you want to call him that, he is gone as well, uh, which I, I'm fine with. We got out of his contract. So it seems like we're freeing up money. We got a couple firsts. We got a couple seconds or a pick swap. So I'm, I'm completely content. We got uh, a 2028 20, unprotected first round pick from the Clippers, which actually. 2028. I mean, Christ. if you think about it, though, that probably will have some sort of value because. Yeah, the, 30 the years t- from now. time. Well, no, I mean, time is ticking on these guys. Uh, the If you look at their core right now, it's Westbrook, Harden, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard, and the latter two are they, free agents after this season. So it's. They're all in their 30s, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're not, you know, they're. I like it. Uh, it if not at the end of the 30s, they're in the right in the middle. So it's not um, right, not ideal. And we got a, I believe a, a first round pick from the Thunder somehow uh, worked into this deal. I don't know what the deal is with that. But then we have a we have pick swaps. We got all sorts of shit in this deal. So uh, the Clippers are sending a 2027 first round pick swap to the to OKC, clearing the way for OKC to move a unprotected 2026 first round pick. Move a protected, I'm sorry, 2026 first-round pick to the Sixers, uh, sources said. Clippers nice. are sending a 24 and 29 second-round pick. 29. So, yeah, exactly. So they're just moving uh, anything down the line. I mean, if I was a GM, we I'd, have picks, I'd right? be doing so... the same thing. I would be just – yeah, exactly. We don't have picks, but, Ty, I guess I got to – I would like to ask you, I mean, this trade really brought nothing back, essentially, <laughs> that can help you in the short term. So I, right. I guess I would wonder, you know, me and you have not exactly been the biggest uh, Daryl Morey uh, supporters or uh, fans, I guess, because we just don't like what the f- like what is the point? Like you know, like we I don't get. I was I was of the belief that this guy was this mastermind GM, and you know, this is who Sam Hankey had learned from, and all this stuff. And he gets here, and he's kind of just done nothing. He's you know taking pictures with cookies and. Uh, you know, tweeting about cryptocurrency and and making hardened trades, and then that's it. That's that's he, that's really all he's done, for for the most part. I mean, he's made a couple good deals here and there, but I guess I ask you, Ty, like, what, what how does this trade supposed to make me feel good? I, it doesn't make me feel bad. It's kind of just like, okay, he's gone. Like that's the good part of it. But like, what do they do with all this stuff now? Are they like? Is the obvious idea that they're gonna flip this for something? I they keep saying cap room for. This free agency, or the you know the twenty twenty four free agent uh, class, but if you look at that, not exactly a uh, you know who's who's of names. Yeah, I guess it does a couple things, right? It gets James Harden out of here, so now everybody can focus. I think that's the most important important thing. We've looked good, honestly. First through the yeah. first three games, I think we've looked good. We probably should have beat the Bucks, and that's even with Lillard going off, right? I didn't yeah. think we were, I thought we were going to get blown out in the first game. Um, last two games, I mean. How about, how about Tyrese Maxey just in general for, through the first? Also Embiid, like he's played, he, he's not jacking up shots. His field goal percentage is high. He's getting rebounds. He's getting assists, and he's playing good defense. More importantly, we'll see. Listen, we'll see how long it lasts. Right, it's a long season. All it takes is one little injury. But um, I like what I'm seeing so far. Kelly Oubre, game one looked great. Game two and three, not so much. That's you know, he's going to be thrust into a bigger role. I think scoring wise, him or Tobias or both. So. Um, yeah, I, I have some issues with our offense and defense and depth for the short term. But we get some picks. We uh, we have sixty million in cap space, right? Something like that. Sixty-six million uh, I think. is the number I saw. Yeah, love it, love it. Beautiful number. I know we have to give Maxi something, and you know the way he's playing is just going to keep going up and up. But we'll see. You know, we'll see how we can um, do that. But um, I think now it gives us a chance to get. I don't know. Yeah, like you said, there's not many guys out there, right? But I think Pascal Siakam, yeah, that's Terry Rozier. The, it seems like OG Siakam's Ananobi. the number one guy, and then, yeah, it goes down from there. I would love Ananobi for defense, but I think you're going to have to give up a lot to get him. I really want Zach Levine. Um, I, you know, I don't know how that backcourt would work defensively. Maxi and Levine, that sounds like some barbecue chicken, but uh, maybe we can get something else. I, you know, Patrick Williams, also maybe a throw-in. Uh, you know, I don't love him, but... He's versatile. He's a good athlete. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think Terry Rozier could be a decent, cheaper option. I'm sure he's going to want out of Charlotte with Lamella Ball. You know, just 
syncing it up. Um, I, maybe, I mean, maybe Ananobi and Siakam, if you could, you know, I, I don't think either of them have that much trade value, especially Siakam. Raptors don't even want to. Well, they're both free agents at the end of the deal. year. I, like that's, right. a, I think, is important because I, I think, the, I think both of them are going to walk. So it's basically going to come down to, and I don't think. I don't think like those t- kind of guys are going to be the people that we trade for. I think it's going to be like I don't even think we trade for anyone. I I, I really don't. I think he's holding onto these picks to kind of make a move next year. I really think that that is the plan here, and unfortunately, yeah, it could be. It could be. I mean, I, I don't think I don't really think there's a much of a chance that we can be a top two or three team in the East. I mean, maybe. I think Tim Legler described it best. He said we're a, a tier below the Celtics and Bucks. I, I think that's probably true. I mean, nobody else in the East has really wowed me to start the year. I know it's only been three games, but the Hawks, nothing. The Raptors, nothing. <clears throat> um, who else? Who else? Who else am I thinking of? Really nobody, honestly. The Cavs, no, not he really. So, mids. Yeah, they have a mid-pack. So, like, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We have to really see how Tyrese Maxey plays it. I don't think he's going to play at the level he's playing at right now, but he is taking confident shots. He's hitting deep threes. He's hitting uh, just pull-up threes, uh, step-backs, catch-and-shoot. He seems more confident. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really know what the plan is. I mean, I think if, they, if they're if they sputtering-ish by the trade deadline, you know, if they're, if they're not really in a rhythm, I think they're going to be active trying to get some offensive help. But, yeah, at least we have flexibility now, which we haven't really had. But I'm not sure where that – where that takes us, who that gets us, but um, I'm interested, I, I guess. I, I think the good thing that uh, comes from all this, and it's not even Harden trade-related, it's just the fact that we talked about what would, what is the thing that could bring you back into the Sixers. Like, we, we talked about this last pod, like, we're, really there's no way for them to make a Harden trade that's going to be like, wow, we're back in, like, we, we feel excited. Uh, what really could get us back in was the fact that if Tyrese Maxey made the leap that we were talking about and how he got even better than he was last year, and it's very obvious that he has. He is That offense has gotten even better. He's not turning the ball over. Not that he really ever was a big-time turnover guy, but he's when when they do let him run the point, it's it's looking good, and it just looks like he's grow. I mean, he's, what, he's only 23 years old. It looks like he's constantly growing as a player and as a guy that you can kind of now mark as uh, a perfect kind of complimentary piece to Joel Embiid. And like you said, Joel has seems like the first couple of games, or at least the first game, he was just slow, lethargic, looked like he didn't really want to be there. That was my vibe in the beginning of the game. And then as the game kind of progressed, he kind of woke up a little bit because they were things in that first game were not going well they were down 20 turnovers yeah they, they, yeah exactly they, they were just they were kind of bailed out by Kelly Oubre because he was hot absolutely pretty much all game and it, I think it's kind of given at least Embiid a little bit of like well, all right well we're, we're not gonna be, we're not done I'm sure part of him was like oh we're gonna be cooked without Harden because yeah. you know he Harden we won the MVP with Harden he, he's this is probably the best player he's ever played with and now he's seeing Maxi and all these other guys kind of playing like actual basketball together. They're moving the ball. They're getting good shots. It's not just a guy dribbling the clock out for 16 seconds and then hot potatoing it to the corner or hot potatoing it to the Joel where he has to either turn the ball over or jack up a bad shot and everyone yells at him. It's it's kind of more of an actual basketball team and it's more of a fun team to watch. And it's just really a remark. I mean, listen, Kelly Oubre has been a great addition for what he does you know it's as long as you're not asking him to score you know like not even uh, like asking him to be smart i guess and uh yeah. move the ball and all that's like if you just want him to get bu- yeah He's get buckets passing. and play defense then that's that's all we really need from the, uh, a couple of these guys that we added i mean like you said, I haven't seen Roko in a couple years. He was it seemed he was cooked a few years ago, so I can't imagine what he's looking like these days. Well, he has uh, more steals than field goals made on the season, so I, at least go. he's still active defensively. That's why I said he can play a little bit, but, you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, those yeah. guys that they added can kind of fit into that uh, P.J. Tucker role. They can take the yeah, minutes that he I'm was using up. Exactly. And P.J. Tucker just doesn't, you know. I liked P.J. Tucker. Uh, I liked what he brought to the team, but it's not worth whatever he was getting paid and not making a deal like this. I do like the picks they got. Uh, the, the When... The, when he first announced the trade, he said like all the players and just the the multiple picks or whatever, and I was like, oh my god, we got screwed. Like we got yeah. we got absolutely jipped. But the more I look at it, it's kind of 
like, okay, like, it's not what I was looking for. I, you know, I wanted a, you know, Norman Powell or somebody that could kind of help us this year where you could plug him into the lineup and be excited about him, get him 25, 30 minutes a game. We didn't exactly get that, but I don't know, Ty, I feel better about this than I thought I would. Yeah, 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 me too. Um, yeah, I think me and you, we, we never really had high hopes, no matter what happened, right? Unless we pulled a, ra- uh, a rabbit out of the hat and traded for, like, Levine. I don't think anybody really anticipates that, but I will say the, the Bulls are pretty bad. I watched them the other day yeah. against the Pacers. I think they won, but... They had a team meeting after the first game. They had a players-only yeah. meeting. <laughs> yeah, things just... I mean, you look at the roster, it's like the most boring shit ever. Like, Vucevic is still there. Like, you know, he, he's not a bad player, but he's just, like, he, nothing really exciting about him, you know? And same thing, Patrick Williams is kind of like a bust. DeRozan. Um, yeah, DeRozan, he is what he is. He's good, right? He, he'll get some points, but kind of like empty stats. Um, he's kind of always been stuck in shitty situations, really. Um, and his game is and, like not for this error, for the record. It's yeah, like he, yeah, he he's still all can't shoot mid-range really. two-pointers. Yeah, it's like it's not exactly going to work, especially now. <clears throat> but I really think offensively, Levine would, would help would help this team. He'd give us a true three-level score. Somebody who plays above the rim, Tyrese Maxey, uh, I think was one of the worst uh, in the league among guards field goal percentage at the rim last year. Uh, that should that should improve, but still, he, you know, he's just not somebody who plays above the rim, who who is long, is big, athletic, really. So having Levine kind of with a different play style, but both similar, you know, good scores. They both, when they heat up, they're fucking hot. Zach Levine had what, 51, 49? 51 the other night. night. Yeah. Uh, Maxi, I think, had 30, 30 something. He was seven of eight, seven of nine from three in the first game or second game. I'm um, kind of getting all my games mixed up because, yeah, there's so much has been happening lately in sports. They happen so yeah, quick, too, especially sports the NBA, Equinox man. yesterday. Yeah. Love that. Um, but either way, like, that would be two two great scoring guards with a big like Embiid, I think, and maybe you know whoever we have, Melton and Tobias on the wing, they're capable shooters. Most more often, uh, more often than not, especially Tobias, I know he's you know that's really all all he offers, but he can shoot a little bit. So yeah, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen in the short term. I guess they're going to just keep doing what they're doing, um, see what, where that gets them. Other teams, I mean, the Knicks have looked like shit, so yep. you know. Boston's look good, Milwaukee's look good, but that's that's to be expected. So if we hold steady in the top three, top four uh, of the East, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, the Bulls. I think the Bulls are going to be really desperate to get rid of Levine. They're bad. They're going to keep getting worse. So uh, that's that's just an eye for me, anyway. A player for me to keep an eye on. Yeah, I I mean, I think Levine has kind of been the guy that everybody's really circled and been like, that's kind of the guy we would like to add into this whole fold. As as long as it's not like a crazy amount of capital and draft picks and all that and i'm i'm totally cool with that and his contract is going to be a little expensive so that's the only reason why i say i don't think they would make that trade because it just seems like the sixers have been anti uh like a long-term contract they want all this flexibility which i don't i truly just don't get what the plan is that's been my whole thing i don't like it's not like there's a steph curry out there or somebody of that upper echelon player that's going to be a free agent that we're going to be like he's coming here like it's it's time for us to make this right it's not like that i don't see that player out there the pascal siakam i mean maybe if that gets you going i don't know i'm sure nick nurse would probably <laughs> love to have a, a him back i don't i don't, I don't know yeah. he's he's okay like it's not but he's not like he's gonna get like a max contract like it's not that's not what i'm looking for it's i, I don't know but we I would like – the only thing I do like about him and Ananobi and guys of that, like, they, and, you know, not Levine so much, but I think we just need to add defense to this team because Embiid and Maxi are going to do a majority of your scoring. I just think if you can add guys, wings, guards, anything that can just defend and can, can play next to these guys, then I think we will be tough to beat for especially the Celtics and Bucks. I think we are – have kind of solidified ourselves as the number three team in, in the uh, Eastern Conference. Uh, it's not really a uh, all that close to me. I mean, the Heat are going to be be there come playoff time, but another Butler year older. You know, it's it's a lot of a lot of things are at, at play here. I think that the uh, the addition of this this kind of maxi is huge, and I think that the sky is the limit. Honestly, I I haven't felt this positive about the Sixers since probably last year before Game Six. It's been a while for us. It's been a while for us. What would you? How would you feel about Tyree Rozier for like cheap fish? 
I, I don't, as an addition. I don't see why not. Who's he play for now? Is he still uh still Charlotte? Still Charlotte. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, why? Well, balls, you know, stinking up the absolute joint. Is he really over there? I mean, yeah, I, he's just he's been abysmal to start the year. I think he's like, well, let's see his that, totals. I, I somebody I know had his uh, over on points the other day. I think he had five. So oh boy, <laughs> didn't didn't really come. Close. Oh, he had eight. I'm sorry. He uh, he's shot four fifteen, four seventeen, three of twelve. Okay, so he's just hawking them. Uh, I got to yeah. respect that. But no, uh, yeah, it, it's. I think any anybody that like that. I mean, Rozier's kind of a perfect like off the bench guard that could be like yeah. great. Like to him and Maxi kind of not share minutes, but like when Maxi's out, he comes in and just kind of runs it and you know scores the ball. And he, Terry Rozier used to kill us when he was in Boston. Oh my god! I, I was just, just gonna say <laughs> he has probably good memories coming back to uh, coming back to the Fargo. So I, I don't think really anything that you add, especially if it's a short-term option, is perfect for for what we have yeah. going on here. And I do like the idea of having those picks for the future. I just don't know what they would be able to make happen for next year. Yeah. You know, like I, that's the only thing that I don't um, I agree. I, I, I just don't know what they're going to turn that into and what's going to become available when you look at the landscape of the NBA, I don't like a Donovan Mitchell is like that was one of the guys that popped in my brain because he's uh, kind of made it clear that he doesn't want to be in uh, Cleveland. But exactly like that's that was my exact reaction. Like a, t- a year or two ago, I was like yes, but like him and Maxi kind of are the same, but Maxi's more efficient and p- probably a better player now. So it's that's the tough thing, and I don't want to get too crazy with the Maxi love, but it really you have to. You have to be seeing this guy to really respect his, you know, yeah. his game because it's the three ball is clean as shit, and he's getting to the bucket, and he's. I mean, there's a couple nights where he's had double digits assists. He, he's he's look. It, it's finally the offense looks free now that there's not this black cloud hanging over it, sucking the life out of it. So he really knows uh, his role and his strengths and weaknesses. Like there's some parts of his game, you know, he's not going to be able to score in ways that. Some uh, high-scoring guards like Curry and Lillard can like shooter shooting guards. He can't score like them necessarily. He's not going to be somebody like uh, SGA who has you know can make any kind of shot at any anywhere on the court because he's six six with really really long arms. Uh, you know he he can't play above the rim, but he just knows his spots right. And and teams are giving him some looks. Yeah, and when he plays, you know the the give and go game with JoJo. Jo- JoJo has gotten so much better as a passer. I mean, you know. It really – sometimes I think his, his hands are just too big for the ball and he you know, chucks into the 10th row and you're like, what the fuck are you doing, man? But uh, he, can, he, can, he can dish it, man, especially when, um, when he has confident shooters. You know, then he can just say, all right, fuck it. I, you don't need to be wide open, but if you're open a little bit, I'm throwing, it, I'm throwing that bitch to you. You better catch it shoot it. And Max, he's not, he's not shy anymore, I don't think. So, you know, he's, he, he runs in transition. He, he really just takes advantage of what the defense gives him, I think. Uh, he's been getting to the mid range a lot. You know, he's been settling, getting to a nice, uh, you know, kind of settling into his shot, and just um, really just just becoming so much um, more of a shot maker. And you know, he he's kind of creating for himself a little bit, right? He doesn't have the deepest dribbling package in the in the in the league, but doesn't matter. He's he's playing really well. I'm I'm really really happy with the progress he makes, pretty much from game to game, honestly. Yeah, and that that uh, like that pick pick and roll where Maxi goes downhill after the handoff from Embiid is really deadly because it's just both guys have to kind of guard Maxi when he kind of gets downhill and the whole offense kind of ha- or the defense has to collapse on him and then he's yep. just finding guys out in the corner or maybe dropping it back off to Embiid and Embiid shooting the ball pretty well so it's it's look it's kind of taking a lot of the offensive pressure off Embiid because last year was a lot of just dump it down to Embiid and just kind of stand there and watch him go to work because, I, I mean, I don't know what Harden's going to give the Clippers, uh, but it, it's good. Black prob- hole. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, uh, are, like there's all of those guys really aren't exactly great, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, Harden has shown he's a pretty good distributor, but the way he does it is uh, the, the stats don't really tell you how kind of anti just ball movement it really is. It's just kind of I'm going to assist here. Like it's no, yeah. no one else. Like there's no chance I'm giving it to this guy and he's passing it to someone else. Like no, I'm giving it to this guy with five seconds on the shot clock and he has to score right now, or it, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, listen, I feel I feel good about it. I feel good about the Sixers. I now am kind of coming out of my little bit of a hangover from last year. My 
my hatred, and I'm just glad that it didn't have to last until February, kind of like the Ben Simmons thing did. It's now we, we can just kind of move forward and be happy to watch this Sixers team kind of just grow and feel good about it. It's I hope they make a move. I hope you know that some of these guys that they traded for help, and they they probably won't. But at least they got some picks and stuff, and at least I feel somewhat good about it. How yeah, about, I'm with you. How about the Eagles? Eagles take care of business this week. Uh, they It was not an easy game, Ty. I don't know if you were able to kind of lock in and watch this whole thing, but it was we were down 14-3 at one point. Fumbles. The only thing that can really kill the Eagles, seemingly, is turnovers. They are, they are uh, when, when they lose, they, are a, they have a habit of turning the ball over. And in this game, it wasn't really Jalen, necessarily, but it was more of, well, I mean, he did turn the ball over once, but... I'm not going to blame that too much on him. There was a lot of uh, little fumbles here in this game that kind of uh, came back to to or came, showed themselves, and maybe uh, we're going to be a problem. But 35, 34 to thirty-one. AJ Brown is, if not the best, he's top two or top three best receivers in the league. Uh, any, especially anytime he plays the Commanders, he's the greatest player to ever play the game. He had nine <laughs> catches, one hundred seventy-five yards, and two touchdowns. The Eagles still can't really run the ball, so I don't know if it's a running back problem or if the offensive line is just not getting the push that they were in years past, or I don't know, but I, I still, listen, uh, overall, I still have offensive coordinator issues. I still have defensive coordinator issues. I still have secondary issues. Uh, there's st- All the issues that existed before this game kind of still persist. Yeah. Um, I thought Jalen played good, but not great. Again, kind of like how he's been all year. I, I think he, he, he was better as a passer, but he, I don't think he's, I don't think we're really going to get him going as a runner this year. It doesn't seem like I just, he's not, he's, he's limping too much and he's not really going to have, I mean, after this week we have a buy, right? It's yes. Cowboys then a buy. Okay. Yes. So that's good. We're, I mean, we're going to need that, but that Cowboys game this week is fucking huge. And then right off the buy, we have the fucking chiefs and then the bills Niners, right? Something like that. And yeah, then Seahawks, the, the, and then, I mean, the beginning of the gauntlet. I mean, you know, this was supposed to be like our some of our easiest games before we really get into the gauntlet was supposed to be the Jets and the Commanders and the Commanders have scored sixty two on us this year both games I think thirty one in both right yeah yeah and the Jets beat us so this week's oh, big this way. week is really big thirty eight I think this is I, what was I looking I was that's crazy he actually they went they were both dude that, I was looking so, and I was like wait hold on I yeah, was like that there's was the first game yeah I was like dude Jalen threw for four <laughs> touchdowns why does it say only two no. This game, the guy goes for eight one thirty and two touchdowns. My bad. Uh, I, I apologize. I am sorry. Yeah, three hundred yards, four touchdowns. I mean, Emmanuel Forbes is pretty much AJ Brown's son. So it's bad at this point. Poor guy. You know, he was like, "Hey, I'm a first round pick, but I did not sign up for this." AJ Brown is just. I mean, how about that one touchdown catch in one hand? Stick I mean, the one just, hand out and then it just grabbed like monster, monster. Good to see Devontae uh, get going too a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he had seven for ninety nine. Dallas Cotter didn't play a huge part. I really like how they used Kenny Gainwell in the passing game. See, th- that's the problem. I like Kenny Gainwell in certain certain points, but they just they bring him in in the goal line, and I'm like, why? If you want to toss it to him, or like you know, if you, I really wish they would use the that pony formation a lot, especially in the red uh, in the red zone, have Swift go one way and then have Gainwell go the other way. Meanwhile, you have maybe Julio in there too, and you kind of just can throw a lot at a defense, especially in a high-pressure situation in the red zone, maybe just toss it out the game. Well, but don't give him the ball. You know, don't run the ball up the middle with him. He's tiny, man. He can't, you know, Swift isn't the biggest back, but he's got 30, 40 pounds on Gainwell. Uh, I think they both have had fumbling issues over their career, but I'd much rather go with Swift. So I think Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni, they got to figure that out, the personnel in the red zone, the plays they call when they cross the 50-yard line and get in other teams' territory on second and third and long. Like, still just, you know, stupid plays that I'm, I'm seeing every game, but... Jalen played his ass off. Yep, for most of the game from the pocket um, too. From the yeah, uh, we didn't really you know didn't really establish the run at all. Uh, we, we just kind of we haven't been that efficient running the ball uh, for most part of this year. I'm not really sure why. Maybe it's you know the right side of the line being kind of banged up and and this and that. But the run blocking has not been great. Uh, I feel like I feel like we um, you know it was cool to see Julio catch that touchdown, but. Yep. Oh no, he's not going to give us much. But again, it was really cool. Everybody was hyped for him. Um, but man, uh, just a terrible game combined from our two outside corners, uh, Bradbury and Slay. 
they were just a, they were just behind. And honestly, yeah. Reed Blankenship, I think he had a hit the pick right, but other than that, he played. He was behind. Um, Nicobe Dean was getting picked on. The middle of the field was just getting abused. Eli Ricks, I think he had a couple big plays, but other than that, he was you know he was trailing guys a lot. I, I just kept seeing Eagles DBs behind the ball carrier in the middle of the field constantly. Jahan Dotson has done nothing all year unless he plays us. So. Yeah. Same with, I mean, Sam Howell has definitely shown some things over the course of the year, but most of it is against us. Most of it. So, you know, Jalen Carter played well until he got hurt. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, I haven't really seen or heard anything about that. So that's, that's not great. Hassan Reddick showed up when it mattered, but uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see Bayard do much. Uh, I saw Sidney Brown lay, lay, lay a big hit. Other than that, not much. Derek Barnett, nothing. Josh Sweat didn't see him. Didn't see Fletcher Cox. So all in all as a defense, I mean, yeah, I, you know, other than Milton Williams, Jalen Carter getting some pressures up front with Hassan Reddick, I don't know, man. It was just uh, – it, it seems like we play up to the competition and down on defense. It's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's a weird team. I really don't know what, our, what we are as a team yet, but it is early. I guess there's still like 13 minutes, right, until we, to make a trade? Yes, and uh, I do have not such – not good breaking news, but after a day of exploration, Jalen Johnson is expected to stay in Chicago. So uh, I know you, were, you were looking it. for that. Um, and there was a I knew they were going to do it. From our board Najee that says, fuck Ryan Poles. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> shout I out agree. And, and uh, Chase Young going to the 49ers. Does that scare you? Uh, I mean, it's definitely – I mean, dude, you know. Eric Armstead, Joey Bosa, Chase Young, Javon Hargrave, nasty. But as long as Brock Purdy is there, I am not worried about it. I'm worried, but I, I, I am not – I'm more worried about Dallas. I think, you know, if Dak's playing how he's playing right now, which, you know, he's very inconsistent. He has been over yeah. the course of, of his career, but I think he gets shit on by Philly fans a little too much. But that's kind of, you know, that's the Philly-Dallas rivalry. We shit on yeah. Romo. Uh, we shit on Dak. They shit on Wentz. They shit on Hurts. It, it is what it is, but – uh, when he's when he's playing, you know, when he's on, man, he's he is really dangerous. Tony Pollard, you know, hasn't even really played well, and their offense is still humming. Ceedee Lamb's, you know, having a having a career year. It looks like uh, Jake Ferguson. Jake Ferguson's a pretty good tight end. Their defense is playing good, so they're gonna be tough, man. I, I don't care what anybody says. Even if Dak does play a little bit down, they're still gonna be tough. Niners are gonna be tough too, but I'm just really not worried about that offense. Other than McCaffrey, Kittle's, you know, so they they have solid options, but again, it comes down to Brock Purdy, and he just. He played terrible this week against Cincinnati. Just awful, awful picks, and that's what he does. He played, he, you know, he can march you down the field, but a lot of, I mean, he kind of did this in college too because he was a big, big time college player and a big time recruit. Even and he played well, and then he he would just throw a pick or fumble, and it would be really bad. Just be back breaking turnovers. So I'm not worried about him. Uh, I'm not worried about the Niners. I'm, I'm more worried about us, really. You know, shoring up the middle of the field that gets absolutely walked, walked down. I mean, anytime we caught the momentum in that game they just they they walked us down every single time so yeah a little concerning a little concerning yeah the i mean where do you really uh you know it's not it's hard to really be upset about a 38 to 31 victory but i got i'm just i'm honestly just shocked or just worried about like you said, those two those two corners have gotten cooked. It seems like all season long. I mean, they've had their moments here and there, but they both got new ish contracts. You know, some were restructured, other one was just a free agent that we brought back, and they have been bad all year long. And I, you know, I'm waiting to see. You know, I'm giving Kevin Byard a couple weeks before I start to, uh, you know, talk some shit on him. But it's it, it's still it's just really concerning, Ty. And I mean, we are sitting here. During the recording of this, about ten minutes away from the deadline, and no one, there has not been a move really made. Uh, I think the Eagles have. Russell Douglas. What? <laughs> he got straight to the Bills. Oh, I, I mean, I guess he's played better than he did. It's in Eagles fashion, typical Philly fashion. Really, somebody plays like shit for you, they go somewhere else and play better. Uh, that's kind of what he's been doing. But he's, you know, he's not anything crazy. The Bills are just in desperate need of a corner, but. Yeah, I guess we're not getting Jalen Johnson, which, you know, whatever. Uh, I figured they would um, stick with Slay and Bradbury and Roby. But those three guys are old, uh, you know, really no other way to, to put it. I mean, they're going to be a step behind. Bradbury is just a step behind. Uh, I think not this game, but last week against the Jets, he almost had a, a PBU or if, if he was a couple years younger, but a pick six, but he was just, just late getting there and the receiver caught it. He's just a step behind. And it's crazy, he just turned 30. Like that must have, that must be 
really where you just start to lose it. Um, I don't want to panic. I don't want to, you know, act like we're cooked. The season's over, but it's just been a trend that we've, how long have we been talking about it? me and you, even before the season, we're like, Hey, just, just keep an eye out on these two 30 plus year old corners. Cause once you get older corner is, is, is really where you lose a lot of your, uh, it's kind of where you just fall off a cliff. It's happened. It's happened with us so many times. Look at Nandi, you know, like, so yeah, I don't know. I, again, sky isn't falling for sure. I mean, we, we trade, we have an all pro that we just traded for in, in, at safety. Um, we have two Middle Tennessee State safeties. Absolutely love that. I'm going to keep saying it every podcast. Shout out. I just really worry about the mid. It's it's really the middle of the field, and we just can't, it's some of the same things that keep happening. It makes you know. I, I think Desai has done some good things, but we could also we couldn't get any pressure. Really, it seemed against Sam Howell the first half zero sacks. You know, that's you know what if we give Mahomes time in a couple of weeks, if we give Dak time, we're going to get burnt. So it's just a mix of things on defense. We have time. We're still, you know, kind of piecing it together. We haven't really had our full D line. I feel like. I feel like Carter just missed some time. Jordan Davis has been in and out. Fletcher was in and out. So, did we ever find out what was wrong with Jalen? Jalen Carter. I think he's back. Yeah. Is he going to be like okay, or is it a? Uh, I hope so because. I hope uh, so. <laughs> he uh, avoids really, major injury is what the the headline says here. So that's. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm confident in saying he's our best defensive player. I think so um, too. He just obviously doesn't play 50, 60, 70 plays or whatever. But either way, uh, yeah, I, you know, again, sky isn't falling, but this week is big. This week is huge. I mean, we haven't really played. We haven't really played Dallas, and we're at home, right? Uh, we are at home. This game is at 4 o'clock at the link. I will say, for the record, that that will place is going to be fucking buzzing. I will not be in the building. I will be in South Damn Philadelphia, it. though. Fuck yeah. I will be at a local watering hole and I will be in there. Probably <laughs> It'll probably be packed to the gills and I'll, it'll be going. We'll be going nuts. Catch me and Matt in a uh, whatever you want to call it. Shout out shout out to McCuskers and, and Brothers too. Those are the two places that I drink at. Shout out to Ryan. Um, uh, yeah, not him. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't go there. Uh <laughs> No, but in all honesty, I mean, listen, like you said, like this, the sky isn't falling. It, we, we should probably just sit here and shit talk the Eagles for like ten minutes. But it's just, it's not about like we're not worried about these regular season games or these Commanders games. It's more of like we want to win the Super Bowl. So we know, like, I know what this team was doing last year compared to what they're doing this year, and they're kind of fighting for their life to win games that they would have blown teams out last year and kind of had it done by the third quarter. So yeah. That's where I look at it. I'm a little concerning. Nicobe Dean might stink. I, I do agree with you on that. Like he, Especially since he came back, the middle of the field has been getting chewed up. Uh, I know Nicholas Morrow wasn't exactly you know, the greatest Zach Cunningham guys of that nature, but I mean, they were yeah. at, le- at least it looked more competent down the middle than it does now. I don't know. It's, there's some, I, would, I would have loved to have them add a linebacker. That's just something they don't do, though. The Eagles don't take linebackers seriously. They never have. I will say Cunningham had our second highest grade per pro football focus against the commanders behind Jalen Carter, but it wasn't great. There wasn't really much green for our defense. It went Carter, Cunningham, Milton Williams, Son Reddick, Jordan Davis. And that was big drop off. Our worst was Ken. Our worst was Eli Ricks. And then Contavious street who we uh, traded. So we traded. He got out of here immediately. So there you go. <laughs> uh, so before we get out of here, Ty, I guess that's kind of we got we had we had our Eagles, we had our Sixers. Uh, the I mean my Flyers. I was at the I was at the Flyers game the other the other day. They uh, you know lost seven to four. Had the backup goalie in, which I wish I would have known before I uh, purchased. Yeah, that would be nice. That would have been nice to know. The but Quacks, they play the Ducks, right? They were playing the Ducks. The Ducks looked elite. Uh, but Frankie Vetrano, my cousin with the Hattie. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was rough. That was rough. Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, I I got my uh, Joel Farabee goal, but it, it wasn't enough because I had the uh, Flyers money line would have cashed that out if the Flyers would have been able to stay in that game. But uh, I will say, Larson, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, uh, the the best the, the the good thing is going to a Flyers game or just going to hockey games in general is how much better hockey is in person than it is on TV. It's like yeah, it, it's an unreal kind of experience to be able to see that whole ice and just the whole motion of everything happening. It's just. It's a way better environment. I I do, I like it probably better than going to like a Sixers game or something like that. It's just yeah, uh, baseball. I mean, the Sixers are better, but it's more if the Flyers were good, it would be uh, you know the feeling would be the same in my opinion. But 
There you go. There's a, there's our hockey update for the and they, and they blew a uh, third period. Uh, you know they they were about to pour, force it to overtime and the old Hurricanes took care of business <laughs> at the very end. Flyers are playing some really good teams and they're playing them close right now. So it's uh, things aren't that bad, right? No, Blackhawks just gave up eight goals last night. Yeah, to so, the Coyotes. So that sucked. It's not the end of the world. So I mean, I think the Flyers are trending in the right direction. Sixers are back to trending in the right direction. The Eagles are you know. And the Phillies are right there. There, you know, they're they're right. They're both just there. So <laughs> yeah, they're there in Cancun playing golf. So I guess we should kind of talk about the big weekend fight, right? I guess that's kind of the next logical step here, which would be Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou from Saudi Arabia. Uh, from the Riyadh, Riyadh season began. Riyadh season, baby. Uh, on oh, Saturday, I'm so fucking tired of hearing that. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, His Excellency kicked it off for us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They they kept saying that that shit was sketching me out. <laughs> I know. I kept hearing like, oh Christ! I'm drinking stop? my fifty like, fifth Surfside, and I'm like, hey man, yeah. <laughs> uh, his can his Excellency get the fucking fight started? But listen, they told me the fight oh was going to start God. at five o'clock. That's what I was told yeah. like, the other day. So I raced home from the Flyers game. We sat down. There was the fight before was happening. I said, all right, cool. It just ended, uh, you know. I, I, the, the one guy punches the ref. Yeah, the one guy like, punched right, the ref with a body shot. I'm like, this is sick. <laughs> and then we go, to, all right, the fight's over. I'm like, okay, I figure maybe half hour max. Because, you know, I just know boxing. It's ridiculous. Half hour max. No. They sat there and talked for at least 45 minutes about this and that and how exciting this is going to be and what an incredible thing. Little Baby's going to perform. I'm like, well, how the fuck did they get Little Baby in Saudi Arabia? Where the fuck did he – like, how much money did they have to pay him? Some guy named Dude. Floden. Floden. He's out there. Humda humda doing his, like, fucking English, like, drill rap shit. I'm like, whoa. All right. Like, he's doing – that song was sick. And then yeah. Becky G. I'm like, where the fuck did they find Becky G? What, like – who are these? Uh, where did they get these people from? So they do this elaborate performance. That was at oh, least thirty minutes. Oh. It felt like I, I felt like forever. I'm laying on the couch about to fall dude. asleep. I'm like, it's dude, like seven o'clock. Yeah, I'm like, will this thing start? <laughs> then, as they're performing, the stage fucking moves away, and the ring comes yeah. up off the ground, out of the ground. I was like, only in Saudi Arabia would you be able to do some shit like this. Unbelievable. I mean, Ty, were you entertained by the uh, pre-fight festivities? <laughs> I mean, they're just too, just such a big gap. I mean, listen, they shouted out Mohammed bin Salman, MBS. That felt weird, right? You know, the guy well. executes people with 10 followers on Twitter because they, uh, you know, speak out a little bit against the government. He's like, you know what? Arrest that person. You know what? Take him to the quarter. Take him to the Capitol and execute him. 10 followers on Twitter. So that's happening. Women aren't even allowed to drive, it seems, over there. But they're shouting. They're like, yeah, shout out to MBS. Dude, the amount of people. The amount of celebrities that were, McGregor and Ronaldo, they're facing off. I'm like, what is going on? What <laughs> what do we have here? Eminem shows up. You said the little baby was there, right? He pops out of nowhere. You're like, okay. Kanye West shows up. You're like, all right, yeah, all right, that makes sense. That sounds about right, right? And then you see, I'm sure you saw some of the pictures where <laughs> it's like Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, Rampage, uh, Junior Dos Santos, Izzy is all dressed up. You're like, all right. Usman. This is this. Usman was there. Uh, all of the boxing legends, Lennox Lewis, Sugar Hill, Stewart, who I didn't even know was training Tyson Fury, the nephew of the Lady Manual. Uh, Tyson, uh, George Foreman, Larry Holmes, literally a who's who. Everybody. By the way, Usyk looked like he was on uh, some supplements <laughs> at that thing, dude. I, that guy's <laughs> eyes were bugging, bro. He was, uh, dude. I can't imagine some of the pre and post fight parties that went on in certain parts of that uh, of that city. I, it was probably amazing. Just orgies everywhere, you know, beheadings. I will say the least they could have done to pass some of the time was give us like some, you know, some uh, old beheading videos or something to pass the time for us to be entertained. Right? If you're going to do Riyadh season, you got to give the people what they want. But they just decided they, they did a bunch of national anthems. They didn't do the American one, which. You know, I guess there wasn't an American fighting, but, you know, with all the help that we get in Saudi Arabia, I mean, you know, the least they could have done was his excellency, you know, his excellency could have paid tribute to us, all the help that we give that country. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I thought I was going to miss the fight. I ended up getting home at seven after seven ten, And I'm like, wow, still hasn't started. That's um, that's I, dude. The memes were so funny. There was like, remember when Kovalev and Canelo were waiting for the UFC fight? 
to finish, and they were in the back, and Canelo was taking a snoozer, just taking a nap in his whole fighting gear. Oh my god! So (laughs) the pre—I mean, (laughs) the whole ordeal uh, was—I mean, it was something. It was. It was. They really know how to just make everybody show up, and for the most insane things to happen. I was kind of entertained in, in a weird, in a weird way. Like, if the fight had <laughs> sucked, it would have been like bad. Like, it would have been horrible. Like, it, it yeah. would have just been unbearable. And it's you know, it is what it is. Like, it's the whole. I knew all this bullshit was going to happen. I just didn't know it was going to be to this level and to this degree. <laughs> uh, it's. The I, ring I, moving really just the <laughs> ring just moving. That's when I stood up. I was in my I was in my house. Like, what the ring was underneath there the whole time? Like where were those other guys fighting? Like I didn't, I couldn't yeah. understand that. And then like yeah, like the people that you're seeing, like Oscar De La Hoya is in there, and I'm like, yep, they're all just. I'm like, there's no way these guys are all here sober. You know, like it's it, yeah. there's just no. All yeah, these yeah. drug addicts are in this building watching <laughs> this fight, and, and you know. I so I guess we should just get to the fight. I mean, we talked enough about. Did this you nonsense. see before that? Did you see the Joseph Parker uh, eliminate some poor fella? Yes. with an uppercut I after did. the guy I told the him to come forward. He said, "Come forward, come forward," and then he got absolutely decimated with an uppercut. That was pretty funny. There was a lot of just eliminations this weekend that seemed. <laughs> it's, yeah, on and off the card. Yeah, that guy getting up, he couldn't, he couldn't walk, and then you know, then he's throwing punches. That that was that was crazy, and I I couldn't imagine what what else was going to happen. But uh, the, and then the walkouts. We're not even talking about the walkouts for these two. How long they were? They and, were pretty. They were pretty elaborate. I'll say. It, it, yeah, Francis it, was cool though. He, he was walked out with Usman and Izzy. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. I yeah. fucking, I started to believe. I was like, yo, he's he's doing this. They're sitting on the thrones. It's it's like what I, what are we doing here? But I will say, Ty, the fight itself it delivered, um, and it's very rare that one of these kind of fights, these these freak show sort of fights that I like to call them, ever really deliver. And this one delivered, and then some. It was a very entertaining, exciting fight. Uh, Francis and Ganu was in the third round, put him down, yep. put put him on his ass with a, like a, a nice kind of <laughs> counter left hook. Francis looked very comfortable in there. He did not gas out like I thought he would. Um, and Fury looked very uncomfortable. He looked like he the, he was getting pushed on the back foot a lot of the time, and it just he was switching from orthodox to southpaw back and forth to try to find like an angle of some sort. But he was getting hit hard. You could see, and you could see he was wearing it after the fight. He had that huge black Second eye. Round. Yeah, Second round he got cut. Dude, it's you could just tell right away, and they kept saying he's supposed to fight Usyk in December. I'm like, no, the yeah, fuck, he's not. That's not. That's yeah, not I, like I don't Frank know. Frank right after the fight was like, oh, well, you know, Riyadh season extends all the way to March, so uh, we'll we'll discuss it. I'm like, yeah, that motherfucker's getting pushed back. You know that. It's funny because after the fight, he's like, yeah, he caught me with that that one shot, but other than that, you know, I feel fine. I didn't get hit with anything. Meanwhile, his left eye is swollen. Yeah, you're like, his whole left eye is just dark. You're like, okay. Yeah, he looked like me after I uh, blacked out and fell a couple weeks ago. Eyes <laughs> swollen shut. And then he had a cut on his forehead and at the bridge of his nose. I'm like, buddy, you got hit with more than that. Yeah, it was um, it was a rough one. And uh, I know a lot of people said that Francis got screwed or they got robbed. And we have kind of discussed this before that it's we don't really necessarily think that's the case. It's not exactly a robbery. It was a very close fight kind of lived up to the, or I guess exceeded expectations, and you de- uh, Francis Ngannou definitely exceeded everyone out there's expectations, but it's not a situation where, like, it was taken from him, or he, you know, he won it fair and square, and the judges just screwed him. It was, I think that it could have gone either way on that, was it 94-95, 95-94, either way, like, both of those yeah. scorecards I think were correct. Even the 96-93, like, it was very close. But we we discussed it. You said this as much as just kind of Francis gave away a few of these rounds. Yeah, especially the last two. The last two, he just you know. So I'll ask you this real quick: How many rounds? How many? How many? Uh, yeah, how many rounds did a uh, did one of these fighters land double digit total punches? How many times do you say that happened? Uh, uh, probably two or three. One. Wow. Fury in the first round. That's it. In the third round, Fury is one of eighteen total. And those were jabs, one of like uh, eighteen yeah. total. This is the this is the heavyweight champion of the world. The you know lineal heavyweight champion of the world. 
you know, soon to be undisputed, the first uh, heavyweight title, uh, first heavyweight to have all four titles in this era, in the four title era. Like, and this is what he comes out and does. Like, there was a chance that he was going to come out and just not, you know, look like he. I mean, he was all at the KSI Tommy Fury fight in the crowd drinking. We, I, I remember they showed him. So I was like, all right, that's not a good start. And then he comes out like this, and, you know, first round he wins. Second round, very close. Third round he gets knocked down, and he, you know, didn't land it one punch, one total punch. Uh, and then after that he started to turn up, but but not really. I think it was a lot of a lot of more so Francis kind of being a little, um, you know, he, he was kind of gassed out early, but he, I guess he got tired early, but he never gassed out is what I should say. Yeah. Um, also, dude, can we talk about Francis's chin? Because he, he took some shots from yeah. a legit, you know, again, the best and biggest boxer in the, in the world. And he just ate them. No, not once did he even get hurt. Um, not many shots, but, you know, several big ones. Especially he, he, uh, Tyson Fury kept coming in with that left hook, right uppercut, or that, that, that straight right left hook. He a lot of times abandoned the jab. He didn't go to the body much after, I guess, the first couple rounds. If I can see any body shots landed, I can't find them, but... All in all, he landed 71 of 223. That's 32%. And uh, Ngannou was 59 of 231, 26%. Just, yeah, I, I mean, I only had like three or four rounds for Francis. And with the knockdown, I still I still have him losing pretty much probably 95, 94. <clears throat> he just, um, it seems like he gave away like the rounds right after the knockdown. And then a couple at the very end, too, that he needed to win. <clears throat> it just, uh, yeah, just... Inactivity a little bit is what caused him to win, but he still gets the win. He still wins the night. He gets a huge payday, right? And now he's setting himself up for more paydays. I could see after the Usyk fight, if Fury beats Usyk, which I think he will, I don't think anything changes my mind in that fight. Tyson Fury, over the course of his career, has struggled with guys that have length, right? Deontay Wilder, um, when he got when he got knocked down by uh, Steve Cunningham, he very long. Um, when he fought Kevin Johnson, another guy with a late 83-inch reach, he went to the distance with him. Otto Valin gave him troubles. Otto Valin has a really long reach. When he fights the shorter guys, he, he kind of smokes them because he's so big. He's so strong. He can bully guys like Usyk, I think. But Francis, I mean, first off, Francis looked absolutely cut the fuck up out of stone, granite, marble, everything. He looked huge in there. And he was kind of bullying Tyson a little bit. He was getting Tyson off, off balance. He, he wasn't letting himself get crowded on the rope in the corner at all. Uh, his footwork was good. You know, he was, he was swinging wild, but that's kind of who he is. All in all, Francis kind of looked like the better boxer. You know, he wasn't crossing his feet like a lot of MMA guys do when they go into boxing, right? He, his footwork wasn't sloppy. Um, he wasn't leaving his head out there. Every time Tyson Fury backed away, he had his head up. He kept ducking under, ducking in. He was getting hit with uh, counter left, counter hooks. I was really impressed by Francis. I listened to Chris Algieri, former welterweight champion, talk about him. He said he was very impressed with Francis. I think the stars of this show, Eric Nixick and Dewey Cooper, the trainers yeah. for Francis, they had a strategy. And Timothy Bradley said it too. He said, he, Francis has a strategy here. He's not going balls to the wall. I mean, he, he looks good. He's going to the body. When Tyson Fury switched to Southpaw, Francis Ngannou switched to Southpaw. That was, I couldn't believe that uh, in the third round, I think. He was doing a lot of like hand battling with the lead hand that was making Tyson Fury very, very uncomfortable. Couldn't really get the jab off. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he just looked like he belonged, right? It felt like a draw. That's what, I, in all honesty, when I... When I, I guess the knockdown makes it not impossible, but... Yeah, like, yeah. Not, yeah, like, that's what, like, when... I was I like, I wish they could have... Right? I guess it is impossible. Gone. I mean... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would be, yeah, no matter what. Unless you give him 6-4, right? If you give him six rounds to four for Fury, he wins by... It would, that would be a draw, I think. Yeah, that's, wrong. I don't know. No, I, I, I don't, either way though, up. it just it was that close where it was like I, I don't know. I really didn't know who won the fight after, but uh, a lot of, a couple guys I uh, shot to Nelson had Fury decision, which was a quite you know what, what a sweat fest that was. But yeah, definitely a sweat fest, but also a fat hit. Yeah. Also, round six, Tyson Fury uh, took a little MMA rules into his own. Well, I know. Zone I, cause landed a huge elbow, which a lot of people are saying disqualify, disqualification. Like, no, man, that's, that's, that's not how that works. Uh, pretty much, if you watch Bernard Hopkins' prime, he threw uh, like 10 of those a fight. So, um, Like we said, you know, though, the ref's, the ref's not going to stop it. It's... Yeah. 
And then after the fight, Francis said, maybe I should have done what Conor McGregor said and threw a light kick. <laughs> that would have been funny. That would have been great. Hey. Um, <clears throat> also, it's, it seemed like Tyson was doing more of the wrestling, like clinching. You know, <laughs> yeah. anytime, they, anytime they clinched, Francis was hitting him in the clinch with uppercuts. Like he wanted to like hold him with one hand, right, kind of, and then hit him with the right. And he, he, that's what cut him up in the second round, Tyson Fury. That's what drew blood. So, and listen, he's, <laughs> I think it was Maurice Suleiman or whatever scumbag's name is, the uh, WBC president. He said, yeah, we're going to put Tyson, uh, Francis and Gondo in our top 10. And I was like, oh, God, that's, that's just uncalled for. And then I looked at some of the uh, boxing rankings, the heavyweight rankings. I was like, wow, he, uh, he belongs. I would love to see him fight Derek Chisora or Dillian White. He probably smokes those guys, honestly. Uh, you know, Philip Hergovich, Joe Joyce, Frank Sanchez, <laughs> you know, like Joseph Parker. Uh, I, I honestly don't see why you wouldn't be in a rush if you're, you know, the powers that be setting up Deontay Wilder, Francis Ngannou in Africa. Well, it's that seem- would be insane. It, it seems like they want to do Anthony Joshua Ngannou. So that's, you know. The, that that's uh, everybody's gonna want to fight in Ganu now. Eddie Hearn was already you know putting his yeah. name, name in, into the mix, sort of. So, well, you know, Eddie Hearn likes to just. Uh, wh- what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, I don't. I do love his accent. Also, he's a fucking huge guy. He really is. Also, also, what are the odds Tyson Fury is six nine? Because Francis is like six five, and standing next to each other, they are not that far off. He, he's like a six seven, I think. Not that it matters, but. Tyson also looks like he's in bad shape compared to what he was. Terrible. Uh, you know, even so what do you two, think, three years ago. What do you think this does for him now? Since he's such a wild card, do you think this makes him <clears throat> better? Or do you think we just won't hear from him for like a month or two, right? Who, Tyson? Yeah. Now, yeah, it could we, go either way. We, we're not going to hear from him for a while, but I do think it will make him better. This was uh, sort of a wake-up call. I would say that he kind of got escaped with and got lucky with because it would have been something he could never come back from if he was to to have lost that fight. And even though he got knocked down, it's really not something he can come back from. But I think everyone can agree that Francis looked better than they thought he was going to. So it's not necessarily like a huge, you know, black eye. Not to use a better uh, pun here, but <laughs> on, on his yeah on his legacy. But it, it's it's not good. It, it's definitely not yeah. good for you to be. You know the best boxer uh, on the planet, especially at heavyweight. You know, the baddest, the, right? the, the baddest man, man on the planet, and you were getting knocked down by a guy who just decided to box six months ago. So, right, it's not good. It's it's definitely not good. <laughs> but it's, I think it will. It, it'll kind of uh, light a fire underneath him, and he will come out. Think he'll beat the shit out of Usyk, and then him yep, and Ngannou I'm will run you. this back sometime, probably next summer. And uh, I think. And I think we'll see a better version. I don't know. But I was very shocked by the version of Tyson Fury that showed up on Saturday night. That was the seventh time Fury has ever been knocked down. Do you know who has who has knocked him down in his career? Uh, not all of them. I know Deontay has, obviously. Four times of those seven is Deontay. One is Francis. The other two, one being Steve Cunningham. The other being, I forget his name. God damn it. There you go. It was a long time ago. It was... Nakich, Nakich, he smoked him with a right, and he looked like he folded. But so yeah, I mean, dude, Francis has just done. I mean, in like ten or fifteen years, I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but we're gonna see like another Rocky movie. Like this is a legit Rocky story. Yeah, like came from nothing, quite literally nothing. Walk? Didn't he like walk to Paris from wherever uh, wherever he was? Or he? I forget. He made like some kind of journey on foot. Right, was working in sand mines, was homeless in a parking garage, wanted to, wanted to box, but he was doing a lot of kickboxing since he was in France and then just did MMA. <coughs> Makes it to the UFC, wins the belt, then he does what nobody's pretty much ever done, defeat Dana White, get out of those absolutely god-awful UFC contracts to do whatever he wants to do, does it. And pretty much wins, right? I mean, he knocks yeah. down Matisse Fury. He gets however many million dollars he got. Like, just all the attention. Everybody. He, he's like the talk of the sports world that for that Saturday, and especially the combat sports world. And now he can, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, man, he's going to fight Maurice Green. It, it's funny. Dana White literally said he fumbled the bag. No, no. You fumbled the bag. Yeah. And also a lot of – also a lot of – I don't mean to keep going and just going on and on, but a lot of MMA fans – 
are pretty much declaring a win over boxing fans. I'm like, well, it seems like boxing is now taking Francis from MMA. So really boxing wins, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like the heavyweight division is completely just dead. And Francis in some way, somehow has reinvigorated the interest. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Andy Ruiz is like, let's fight, man, me and you, let's do this for a hundred million dollars. Everyone's like, please just shut up. Andy Ruiz, you're not making any money. Nobody wants to fight you. It's either France. It's either Joshua or Wilder. It has to be. There's, I mean, I would love to see Francis fight Derek Chisora, Dillian White, uh, Z Lee Zhang, Philip Hergovich, but nobody's really coughing up money for that. At least, at least not, not that much. Francis and Deontay or Francis and AJ, that's going to be a big, big event, especially after this. You can do that in London. You can do that in Africa if you want. You can do that anywhere. Man, what, what, and it's, I was just so happy that this, uh, that this went as well as it did for Francis. Cause I did not want to see him get kind of embarrassed as much as I was mad at Francis. Cause I just wanted to see him in the UFC. It really wasn't even his fault, but it was just more of, I wanted to see him fight John Jones. Like that was the, yeah. like that was, I would, that fight made me so excited that like, I, that's the only thing I wanted to see in heavyweight. And then when he left, it's like, well, especially if he was going to go fight in MMA, it's like, well, you're wasting your time. If you're going to PFL or Bell, like we talked about, it. we went through their, their, top tens and it's like well no none of us want to see him fight. like he will go into irrelevancy if that's the plan you know if that's yeah. just to get into the smart cage and fight maurice the rocket green or whatever the fuck his <laughs> name is that's the crochet not, boss come yeah, on whatever who cares uh i don't and, know what that means yeah i don't even know either but at least he's now like in boxing he means he matters you know like it's it's something worth watching and he he like you said although it's not necessarily a win for MMA. It is he does represent MMA in some in some aspects. So it's like I I do see the people that are like yeah boxing like fucking boxing sucks. It's like well not real. I mean what eventually they just one had squirrel, one of their best years ever. Yeah, but they also sent about seven MMA guys over to get killed by Jake Paul. So it's not yeah. exactly well, the great. Yeah, like it, Darren Till's over there selling his clothes to, for a living. Oh, I don't man. know if you saw that. That was yeah, that was that was, that was kind of sad. sad. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Listen, things are tough in the MMA world, all right? And, th- and things can be tough for a lot of these guys. So for a guy like Francis who came from nothing to be now worth millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars is a true, like you said, Rocky story. And, uh, yeah, uh, I, what do we have? We, we'll have another show coming up this week, right? We have a full UFC card. Alameda from, Fight Week, baby. Yeah, we have a Sao Paulo special here. We'll have... Uh, what's it called? Uh, it's not. It's not Curtis Blade. It's Derek Lois. Oh my God! Yeah, the Bone Themes are back. Both of them. Wow. The main car looks pretty juicy. I'll say. Well, I mean, anytime they. I mean, they haven't been to Brazil and when the, the, before the pandemic. No, they were. Were they there at the beginning of this year? Or no. They might have been. That's a great question. Can't remember. That is a great, great question. But yeah, like you said, both. <laughs> I thought they were there sometime in like January or February. Because I they, thought it was supposed to be was it when all I don't know Oliver Makachev did they fight in Brazil? Uh, Piers, am I losing? No, my that mind? was in Abu Dhabi. Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah, I'm trying to. If Piers, I am losing. My uh, UFC 283 was yeah, it was in Brazil. You're right. Okay. So uh, Glover Teixeira and uh, Jamal that's Hill. right, Glover. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. they both lost. Figueredo and uh, Moreno, both Brazilian uh, champions, took an L. Are so you saying that Jelton Almeida is going to lose to Derek Lewis this Saturday? Is that what you're saying? Jelton Almeida is going to smoke Derek Lewis. <laughs> He's going to body bag him to to no end. Uh, I, what no else was supposed to be on this card? Jelton Almeida was supposed to be. Yeah, card. it was supposed to be him and uh, Blades. No, no, no. I'm talking about the two. I'm looking at 283 already. Uh, he was supposed to fight Shamil Abdul Rachmanov. That was going to be a big win for Shamil. Oh, no. It did happen. Oh. I don't know. It did happen. You're losing No, it, it did happen. Yeah, it. he knocked him out in the second round. Okay. So there you go. I feel like there was a fight that was supposed to happen on here that didn't, but whatever. Josie Nunez. She was there. Uh, listen, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back. I will have I will have my shit together for the uh, UFC Sao Paulo episode. This one was in Rio de Janeiro, yeah. so that's. I think that's all we have this weekend. There's not. I don't think there's any boxing. No uh, boxing taking a little bit of break until December, but we're going to end the year pretty well. There was a big fight 
for a 147 Oshaki Foster. There's only been, there have been thousands. Here's a stat. Thousands of world title fights. But on Saturday night, Oshaki Foster became only the 14th fighter in a title fight to trail on points going into the last round and score a stoppage victory. Wow. Uh, other ones I can think of off the top of my head, Jake LaMotta, uh, Carl Froch, Julio Cesar Chavez, that was rigged, Shannon Briggs with one second left. Uh, he was losing. There was one judge who had it, who had him losing every single round, a Mexican judge. The fight was in Mexico. The fighter he was fighting was Mexican. So, uh, I, you know, I don't know if you see a, uh, a suspicious suspicious trail here, but it seems like the WBC had a, had somebody they wanted to win the fight before the fight happened. But uh, that's why you don't let it go to the scorecards. And he got a 12th round knockout. The 11th round was fight, round of the year. He was, he was hurting him. Rocky Hernandez is who he fought. He was hurting him. Then he got hurt. So uh, shout out to the American. Shout out. I'm about to go watch that around 11th round just because it, it was insane. I didn't see it. So uh, there you go, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We will have a uh, we will have a UFC episode. We may have a little Eagles 20-minute uh, uh, episode just to kind of break down the Cowboy game a little bit the closer we get to it. I think it's still a little too early to get into the weeds about the Cowboy game. But uh, my name is Matt McSweeney. I am Tiger Pone. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you drink a glass of water before you have your morning coffee.